Welcome to Working Sober, the podcast that empowers high achievers like yourself to take control of their drinking habits and maximize their career success. I'm your host, Melissa. Working Sober is here to inspire and support you on your journey. So sit back, relax, and let's get started. Hello, and welcome back to Working Sober. I am so happy to be bringing you another guest episode for this week. Today, in this episode, I speak with Haley Matches. She is the founder of This Unwasted Life. You probably know her from Instagram. She is focused on promoting an alcohol-free lifestyle through one-on-one coaching, in-person events, and virtual community. Through her work, Haley aims to inspire others to make conscious choices around alcohol consumption and to create meaningful connections with themselves and others. I know you're going to love this episode. Haley and I talk about everything. We talk about how pivotal the sober Instagram community was for us in both of our journeys. Haley discusses how she experienced working in the film industry in Vancouver, how she navigated sober work events. We talk about getting sober in your late 20s, feeling like an outsider at work in sobriety, and we touch on how the tools that we learn in sobriety can be used and applied to our career journeys. I know you're going to enjoy this episode, so enough rambling for me. Let's get into my conversation with Haley Matches. Hi, Haley. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Melissa. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so excited to have this conversation. I've wanted to talk to you for so long. Um, I think it would be great if you could just introduce yourself, uh, say a bit about where you're from, what you're doing now, who you're helping now, and then we can kind of go back and talk about your sobriety journey, how you decided to quit drinking and all that stuff. Sounds good. So my name is Haley Matches. I am based in Vancouver, British Columbia, and I have been over four years alcohol-free in this beautiful journey. And um, I'm currently working as a sober lifestyle coach. It's my my new path as of fall of last year after moving from years in the film industry and life has definitely changed um, since I've put down the drink in a really beautiful way. I'm sure you can uh, attest to that. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. And so you, um, your Instagram name is this unwasted life. Could you tell me how that came about? Did you start posting on Instagram about your journey and just kind of transition into becoming a coach from there or tell me the origin story of that? It was actually during COVID that I took on the sober Instagram world. And that was a year into my sobriety. So I'd had that year and I had really been yearning for a community and connection, something that I didn't really have in my first year. I do have my wonderful partner, Jonas, who also quit at the same time. So we had each other and that was my connection with someone else who kind of got it. And at the time of COVID, When I was laid off of work, uh, at that point I was working in the film industry, I thought, well, what am I going to do now? So I did some online courses and and then I thought maybe I should start sharing online. Maybe I should start connecting with others online and maybe I should start building relationships with, you know, other people in the sober world because I had quietly been looking at other accounts that were doing that and felt so inspired and I really feel that those accounts had a big part of my, were a big part of my sobriety journey. Even if they didn't know it, I had this place to go and find connection with someone else 
and hear their story and be inspired by their story and look at it and go, you know what, this is okay. It's okay to live this way. Something that I hadn't come to terms with in my 20s, even though I knew that alcohol was never a good match with me. So during COVID, I thought, okay, I'm going to do it. And at that point, I was 28. And I was thinking of names. And I also launched a blog at the same time, but I called it So 30. So that meant I'm almost 30. And I'm also sober at 30. And actually, yeah. no, that that was at that. Yeah, that was just before I turned when was COVID 2020. Okay, so that was just a couple months before I was turning 30. Yeah, so I, I went down the So 30 journey. Then I went back into my film job when things kind of returned somewhat back to normal with COVID. And I took down the blog and I stopped Instagramming and I removed my Instagram page for about 10 months. Oh, really? And actually, yeah, I think it was closer to a year. And yeah, because I remember you had like a reintroduction post. I think that's how I refound you because I was definitely following you before. I quit drinking in May of 2020 and really heavily relied on the sober community to help me quit, like on Instagram specifically. And I think, I yeah, I remember you kind of coming back and I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Isn't it funny when people kind of disappear and you go, oh, I wonder what happened to that person, that person that I have this Instagram connection with. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's such a cool world. It is like a real connection. Like you're just so used to seeing these people and then it's not like you're notified that they've stopped posting. They just kind of slowly fade out and then you see them again and you're like, oh, I was wondering where they were. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool. It's nice to be a part of the community for sure. I love it. So I created an Instagram account separate to like my personal whenever I was trying to quit drinking back in 2019. And mm -hmm. it was not private. It was public, but I blocked everyone that I knew basically who I thought might have been able to find it. And that's the Instagram that I have now for my business and stuff. But back in the day, whenever I first quit, my Instagram name was Mel is sober, M-E-L-I-S-S-O-B-E-R. And I thought it was like the, the most clever thing in the world. I remember that. I remember that, um, that handle that you had. Oh my gosh, isn't it funny? <laughs> I did the same thing when I created my first account. I was like, I don't want my coworkers to find this. I don't want my film life and my, you know, my professional life to intertwine with my sobriety. And at that point, little did I know how much it absolutely would in my future, but I just wasn't ready to connect those two worlds at that point. Yeah, definitely. So can you rewind and tell us Back when you were working in the film industry, what were you, what was your job? What was your job title? And then how did you quit drinking? Can you recap that story? Yes. So I wore many hats in the film industry. I started uh, as a teenager. My goal was to act. And I was in theater. I went down to the city for auditions. I lived about an hour and a half away. That was my big plan after it actually all sparked from... My mom growing up, she actually worked in the film industry before I was born. And so she'd tell me all these stories and it just really piqued my interest. And And from a young age, that's where I wanted to be. Uh, so as a teenager, I, I did the acting thing and I was diagnosed with a progressive neuropathy known as CMT at age 15. So this pivotal moment in my life was really when my relationship with alcohol started to change. Um, but also it kind of shifted 
my focus in life. You know, I, I kind of went down a bit of a spiral and and suffered with depression. And, you know, I, I left high school and I went to university for a bit and I was still trying to figure things out. But deep down, I was really, really struggling. And um, I found my way back to the film industry in my early 20s through film festivals. And then I worked in independent film as a, an associate producer on a few projects. And then I got into studio productions, assisting directors and producers, executive producers. Uh, I was a production coordinator, a talent coordinator. And at the end of my, uh, my journey in the entertainment industry, which was just last fall, I was a voice production manager in um, in animation. So on an animated series, that's, that's where I, I left and started this new path. Oh my gosh. Was it, did you work on anything that we might know? Any films that we might know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I worked on a, a lot of CW shows like the iZombie was one that I worked. It was actually the iZombie series wrap party. That was my last night of drinking ever. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So what was the drinking culture like in the film industry? I can only imagine. <laughs> I mean, it was very present. <laughs> yeah, and 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 that was. I mean, it's it's such a it's such a uh, taxing and grueling industry in terms of the hours that you work and mm -hmm. how much you work and and I loved it. I, you know, I I, I really did, it always holds a special place in my heart. But I think that from the age that I started drinking when I was 13 and then I started to socialize that way. And then I started to network and I really associated drinking alcohol with meeting people and networking and kind of built this, this party. I had this, I was known as a party girl, I'm sure, you know, cause I was always drinking and always out and always going to these events and I liked it. I mean, it was fun. I had a really great time, but at the same time, I didn't want to, be that anymore. I didn't want to be a party girl when it started to influence my work. And it kind of, I started to berate the two because there were so many parties in the film industry, right? So uh, at um, my last, my last event of drinking, I woke up the next day and it's not that I did anything extremely embarrassing that night or that I, you know, made a fool out of myself, which I felt I certainly did at other parties. I just woke up feeling like, okay, this is it, I'm going to make the change. But at the same time, I was doing dry January. So the event was on January 19th and I went into dry January going, but I have to drink at the wrap party. Like I, I there's no way I can't. Uh, and so I had been doing dry January and this was the one night that I was going to drink and then woke up the next day and went, okay, I'm gonna continue dry January. Yeah. Had you been trying to quit for a while or what did that look like? Uh, yeah, I mean, through so just due to my my unhealthy, I mean, I had an unhealthy relationship mm -hmm. with alcohol. I wasn't uh, I wasn't someone who drank by myself. I rarely drank by myself, but when I did drink, I had a hard time stopping. So I think a lot of it has to do with just trying to get out of my own head, trying to de-stress, but also a bit awkward. So always had a drink in my hand and it was just kind of like this, this choreographed dance as I socialized. And it, I often got to the point of blurred memories or blacked out. And in my twenties had 
done multiple sober Octobers, you know, and dry Januaries. I had even done a break from alcohol when I was 19. Oh, really? Yeah. And I remember it was 60 days and I put on my Facebook status 60. And those who knew what that meant were happy for me uh, because they had seen my struggles with depression and, and, and whatnot at that point. But then I had a glass of something waiting for me at the other end and I kept going. I don't think Mm -hmm. I was ready. You know, I I think that for a lot of people, they're like, when is, when is it, when am I going to be ready to do this? And sometimes it takes multiple tries and multiple experiences for it to finally click. Did you find that? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like I was, I think the first time that I properly attempted to take a month off because that's always what I wanted to do. I never said like, oh, I want to quit forever. I want to, I, I always said I wanted to take a month off. I think the first time I did that was after a really bad night out and experience with somebody that I used to live with um, back in 2017, I think it was. It was like, it basically spurred my decision to go move to Ireland. I wanted to just like escape everything and just wipe the slate clean. And I think I did like two weeks and then I went to a wedding that I was invited to. Um, But I think that once you have, like once I had that two weeks of sobriety, I couldn't deny that I felt so much better without alcohol in my life. And me carrying on drinking for the next two or three years, constantly trying to take a break, that was always in the back of my mind. Like I always knew that I wanted to quit at some point because I realized how much better I felt without it. The anxiety was basically gone the shame, the blackouts, the hangovers, the anxiety, like everything was just so much better without it. So, and 13 is quite young, I think, to start drinking. No, I, I think I was 17. I was pretty late to the game, but. <laughs> yeah, I guess it is young. I, it, I grew up in a small town and went to high school in the seventh grade. So by eighth grade, we were going to, you know, the parties and, and mm-hmm. started to get influenced. My, yeah, the, the, crew that I hung out with we all started I guess around around that age but it wasn't like picking it up and drinking every weekend it was yeah, starting yeah, to experiment. <laughs> yeah exactly exactly it was all experimentation or the older people were bringing it and we have some so I mean now that I know how more so how the brain works and how development works I, I can see how that has and definitely negatively affected me and anyone that starts drinking that age as your brain's developing and you're becoming an adult or going into your youth. It's, it's, it's kind of wild. I, I think, I think, yeah, I think back and I'm like, what? what? Yeah. And I, I really relate to what you were talking about there where I, whenever I first started drinking, it wasn't like I just had one beer. I drank a lot and got quite drunk and it was in a social setting. And I was like, I associated that then with this amazing feeling being out with people because I had always had that voice inside the back of my head telling me that I'm weird or I'm awkward because I moved back and forth from Ireland um, to the US a bunch whenever I was a kid. So I was always the new kid. In America, I was the weird Irish kid. In Ireland, I was the weird American kid. and it was just, I, I just felt so uninhibited and free and I could just be myself whenever I drank around people. I started being able to like walk up to people and make new friends. And I think that when you do start drinking and start associating that with socializing, that's what makes it more difficult later on when you're trying to quit. Because I'm sure, I mean, you can tell how you experience then integrating back into those working social events without drinking. What was that like? 
Yeah, it's that's a great point. It's it's amazing just how much society as a whole socializes with alcohol. Like that, it goes hand in hand. It really does. And now we're this this movement, um, which by the way is you know the sober curious and sober movement is not a trend. Like this is here to stay. And I think I just love to say that because some people are saying, why are you why are people you know jumping on this trend? And I'm like, it's not. Because once you start to realize just how much you rely or, you know, how much I relied on alcohol and socializing, it really started to make me step back and go, wow, you know, even in the moments of being a drinker and knowing that, hey, I probably shouldn't drink as much as I do or at all, I did not realize just how heavily I relied on alcohol to socialize and to be this person that I wanted to be out in public. So when I finally socialized without it, here's the thing, in my dry January stints and my, my months off drinking in my 20s, I did socialize. I, I actually went to parties and I'm like, oh, I'm not drinking and, and I was okay with it. Mm -hmm. And I kind of got that m muscle working in those sober months. But when I stopped drinking, that at that point I, was also in a somewhat new relationship and we had stopped together. So we really spent a lot of time together and I kind of hibernated. Yeah, I mean, I did, I really pulled back from social life. I was not someone that I didn't feel that I could go and jump back into social situations right away. And mm -hmm. I didn't for the first, I'm gonna say five to six months. So I quit in January and then I went to a wedding in June. And even by the wedding in June, I felt pretty uncomfortable without it still. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, at the wedding in particular, and, and before that I did utilize alcohol-free beverages, like alcohol-free beers. I, those were super helpful to me. I didn't find them triggering. Although the first few that I had had, I did notice that I was drinking them heavier than I do now because now me I too. realize that it, it, <laughs> you're like another one, another one. <laughs> And then right? I'm like, no, this isn't good. Yeah, you're like, this isn't doing anything. And and also, like, let's change those habits of wanting more. And once you realize that, you know, you, you can stop at one, it's pretty empowering. It's it's nice to just have, like, a sip of something and put it down. I don't have to finish the whole can. But, yeah. right? Yeah. My, my boyfriend will sometimes play video games with his friends. And he'll, like, crack open a beer sometimes. And I'll notice that he'll just drink half the beer and leave it there. And I'll be like, what are you doing? <laughs> Why didn't you finish the beer? He's like, oh, I, I forgot about it. Like, what? <laughs> I, I don't understand those types of people, but they exist. They do they exist. exist. Just what, I, what you were saying there about like downing the alcohol-free drinks. Now I know that like I can basically have one or two and I'm good. Like I don't need a bunch of them. But sometimes whenever I go out, I was out with my best friend's engagement party and her family were all buying rounds and they wanted to include me and they kept being like, here, have a Heineken Zero. And then they would go around and get another round and be like, a Heineken Zero. Heineken. I had like five Heineken Zeros. I was like, stop buying me these. I'm oh not my gosh. five Heineken Zeros tonight. I'm gonna like throw up. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a lot, hey, of alcohol-free drinks. Yeah, I, I'm the same. I, I stop at like two usually, maybe three if you're out socializing over a longer period of time. Mm -hmm. But okay. yeah, they, they've been super helpful in my, in my journey. Yeah, me too. 
How did you, you said that you did have like networking events for work. Did they kind of slow down or were, you, were those optional to attend whenever you were in this like hibernation period? Great question. I don't recall having any rap type parties. Uh, the networking events I didn't attend. Um, I'm, I'm thinking of specific ones, but I can't. Um, but no, I, di I didn't attend any. I, in fact, don't think any of the projects I worked on after that had rap parties or any sort of events. Um, I did go down to LA and, and do some networking, which I do a couple times a year to connect with coworkers down there. And I did go down and do a sober trip in my, I want to say it was the first, it was a year into my sobriety. I went down and did that and felt totally comfortable. And it was kind of just a different dance at that point. But I was, I was confident in, in my new life. And I actually have never had in recent years since I've quit drinking because I quit during the pandemic and then I was working for myself afterwards. But I've never had really like those typical work events. Do you have any advice for anyone listening who's maybe sober curious, newly sober on how to navigate those when you're trying to quit drinking? Yeah, absolutely. I think first and foremost, having a game plan for yourself before you go into that situation is, is key. Thinking through what the event will be like and how you can make your exit if you need to. And just know that you can leave when you're ready to, you don't have to stay till the end. Something that took me a little while, a little while to figure out was usually the last one there. But having that kind of game plan and remember your why as you go into it, I find gives you a bit more confidence in the situation, but also telling someone else that's there that, hey, I'm gonna take the night off drinking. So you have an accountability buddy or someone that you can call and step away and call and just be like, look, I'm feeling like I kind of want to have one and, and, and have that conversation with your safe person. Another thing is checking in advance to see if they have alcohol-free options. And if not, bringing some if you can, or just finding a way to make sure that you have something that you can sip on that's not alcohol filled because if you ha have empty hands i find that people are more inclined to be like hey let me get you a drink and that way you can kind of cut any awkwardness if you don't want to have that conversation with someone saying that you're not drinking yeah definitely those are all super helpful and i yeah i can relate to those though i use a lot of those whenever i'm just going to normal social events like weddings and stuff and in early sobriety i also found it super helpful to have the Instagram, like I would kind of be documenting like, okay guys, this is my first sober Christmas. And just knowing that I had that tiny support system in my pocket was super helpful in those early days. So you quit drinking and then how did that impact your career then after you, after you went alcohol free? Sobriety changed things for me in so many ways. Career was a big one. And I love your posts on Instagram about this because I feel like the the specifics between a career and sobriety aren't totally talked about. And for me, it like it made such an impact. I quit drinking. I was I had just done that rap party, finished off that job, and then hopped onto another one in the film industry. And then I parted ways with the producer I had been working with for about four and a half years. We were really close, loved him, but you know, just wanted to experience new things. And so I started to take different jobs with different production teams and meet new people in the industry. And, and all this time as I was exploring and, and um, just experiencing new, new 
positions in the industry, I started to realize that I felt like an outsider. I started to feel like an outsider and I started to feel like this wasn't the spot for me. This wasn't the world for me. And, you know, for a, a many factors, especially when COVID hit, at that time, I did have so much time to reflect on sobriety and I was already a full year alcohol free. And I realized that what I value most in life is time with loved ones and, and situations and, and putting myself in, in situations that are positive, you know, that make me feel good, that make other people feel good, where I can connect with others on a level and, and, and we can, you know, work together to make the world a better place. And I, not that I found that I wasn't doing that in the film industry. It just, I had spent so many years working so hard, so many hours, the, you know, in very unhealthy ways at many, many points. And that break really showed me that, Hey, I don't think this is for me anymore. Like I, life is short. And, you know, I want to surround myself with people who are on a path to better themselves, better the world, do better, be better. And after COVID went back into film, tried it again, got rid of my sober Instagram, got rid of that world because I didn't want to connect the two. And at that point I realized this isn't right. Something is feeling claustrophobic within me. I'm not trusting my gut. My intuition is screaming. This isn't right anymore. And so I finished another job film industry is always like contract, you know, different mm -hmm. jobs every year. And I decided to make a change into the animation industry and did that for a year before I ultimately realized that my, my heart is not singing and I, my soul is not free here. And I want to help people. I want to do work that gets me super excited and charged up. And again, that's good for the world. Like I want to make a positive impact and help people discover their passions and, and purpose. I want to help people love their lives. And I, a big part of me realized that just through Instagram. So after the year I went back on it and I started to make these connections again. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is, this is what I need to be doing. Because as you know, people will send DMs like I need help, I'm struggling and 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 that's where that's where my heart was. And I've always been one that loves to help others and loves to work with others and come up with solutions and just create space and listen and be supportive. And I ultimately in the fall of last year made the decision to to go to school and get my certifications to be a, a coach and and help people love their lives. You know, I think that so many people want to get there and they just need that space and that support with someone who is knowledgeable in that area, but also, you know, has been there, has that experience. And, and yeah, so it was quite a, like, quite a, a ride over the, the last couple of years, but it was just like, it didn't feel, it just didn't feel right for me anymore to be in the space that I was in. Mm -hmm. I, I really understand what you're saying there, because funnily enough, after I turned one year sober, I took a break from Instagram as well. I felt like I had kind of 
thrown myself too far in and I was trying to detach myself from that community a little bit to figure out who am I outside of just this like sober identity. I don't know, did you experience that at all? Yeah, oh yeah, I, that's a big part of also why I, I deleted it. Cause I was like, I don't want this to just be my identity anymore or or at all. And that was a big part of it too. Uh, and also like the comparison game with others online. I found myself doing that, like this person's here, you know, I just, I needed a break. So yeah, totally get that. But then I realized as well, kind of similarly to you that that is still a part of me, that sobriety experience. And it's so relatable and unique, but unique to our own journeys. And I remember watching those other people as they were quitting drinking and then seeing people who had been sober for years. And I really just looked up to them as like an example of what's possible. And now I just got emotional as you were talking about that, because I was like, oh, like, we're those people now who other people look up to and ask for help and guidance and support. And I think that our experiences are way more valuable than any coaching certificate or education that we'll ever get because we've been there. We know what it's like to struggle like that and be in such, like, I don't know about you, but I was in a very dark place mentally whenever I was trying to quit drinking. Um, I don't think anyone quits because their life is looking perfect, but it's just crazy that, that we're those people now. Mm -hmm. It's pretty special. A good point about the quitting. Um, it just, alcohol can put such a negative, I mean, it just so negatively affects our mental health and our overall health um, with overuse and misuse. So yeah, I, I feel you. It was a dark place. It was a dark place for many years, to be honest, as much as I, from the outside, and, and maybe you can relate from the outside, I'm sure it looked like I was a very happy, outgoing person in these situations. Um, but at inside I was really struggling really yeah. struggling and to be able to share that and be open and vulnerable about those experiences is is absolutely wonderful if it's going to help somebody it's uh, I, I used to be a bit reserved again I took a full year before I'm like okay I'm going to share things pieces of my life online in that way and it it was such a freeing thing to do like like you said, uh, Instagram was helpful for you to share your and hold yourself accountable and, and have mm -hmm. that support if you're in uncomfortable situations. And I know not everybody wants to share their, their story online and, and in the ways that we do, but it really has been exceptionally helpful to be able to do that. Um, and just be vulnerable. Like there's, there's nothing wrong with that. I, I think it's I think it's such a beautiful thing to be completely open because we are all human. We are all we are all one in a way. Like we're all experiencing this thing of life. I mean, what even is life? And how lucky are we? And to be able to relate to one another and to put down the walls that I think have gone up so far in recent years with COVID. Don't get close to me. You know what I mean? So having that connection is it's giving me chills just talking about yeah. it it's it's yeah and something that i think a lot of people struggle with whenever they're trying to change their drinking habits or quit or get sober go alcohol free whatever you want to call it is the shame like i kept that as a secret for so long and every time that i share my story it's like a layer of that shame just gradually removes itself like i don't know about you but my instagram now like 
people in my real life follow it and they see my stuff. And in the beginning, it was like, oh, cringe, like, what are they reading about me? But I just have to remember that it's their choice if they want to follow me or not. And I've actually had people who are like friends of friends follow me and actually reach out and be like, hey, I'm thinking of taking your course or if you have any advice, I'm going through this. And you just have to, I just have to remind myself, like, they're not just following me to make fun of me. They might actually want to hear what I have to say. Yeah, there's a big layer of when you're sharing yourself out there publicly like that, like a big layer of worrying about what judgment and what others are going to think of what you're sharing. And, you know, I, I mean, I still struggle with that. What did they like? How did this come across? Or I hope I didn't come across this way. And, uh, you know, and I'm still working on just letting that go. And I think to an extent, we, we all are, you know, like not worrying about other people's opinions because they're not your business. They're really not your business and people are going to think what they're going to think. But at the end of the day, the amount of people that you're helping over the people that might think differently of you is it's like night and day, you know? I remember whenever I was working as a researcher doing my PhD and like thinking about transitioning into starting my own business, that was a real block for me. I was like, oh my God, what are my colleagues going to think? How is it going to look if I like leave this prestigious PhD to become well, I didn't leave it, I finished it and left research to become a coach. What are people gonna think? And then I realized that whether I am a researcher or a business owner, I can't control what other people think about me either way. Mm-hmm. And so I might as well just do whatever I want. Um, it was just so freeing to be able to realize that. So when you decided that, right, I'm done with the film industry, what was the biggest challenge with making that decision to change careers? The biggest challenge was just the fact that that's been my career for the last 10 or so years that I had for so long, something I struggled with, with changing my relationship with alcohol and removing it is my identity. I'd built up this identity of myself. I thought that I was this person that needed to drink. I thought I was this person that needed to go out with alcohol and, and, and live this lifestyle. I also thought I was extremely extroverted and needed to be out all the time. And in my sobriety, I really feel that I was born again in a way. Like I had to re-identify myself, figure out who I wanted to be without alcohol, how I wanted to behave. Because to be honest, the movements of socializing without alcohol, it was a, I was learning a new dance. And Mm -hmm. so it took time. And I am blanking on your original question about how it can you read say it's it? like what was the biggest challenge like making that decision and actually transitioning yeah. into a different yeah. career? I know that that's obviously what gets in the way of us finally making that happen is you know the obstacles that we create in our brain basically. yeah yeah absolutely okay yeah so the challenge was just re recreating this identity and yeah. and becoming this new person that was the challenge and i, I want to say the stability of that old life however it wasn't stable at all so <laughs> there was no there was no stability over there so yeah. i think like you said the mental blocks and and making any sort of large change in your life after you have been living that way for so long whether it's divorce whether it's you know anything really any big change moving towns moving careers it's coming up with a new plan, re-identifying yourself and, and, 
you know, figuring out who it is you want to be without those things that you were so familiar with. And it just takes a bit of practice and, and learning and, and patience and love for yourself and just trusting your gut and knowing that this is the right decision. Let's just take it day by day, much like removing alcohol mm -hmm. day by day. And, and that's all you can do. I mean, we only have the present. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I noticed this came up a lot with other interviews that I've done and in my own journey that a lot of the tools that I developed in sobriety have kind of lended themselves to my change in career as well. Did you notice that? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I mean, they go hand in hand, I would say. Like, Is there a tool that stands out to you that's really helped you that you kind of cultivated through quitting drinking that helped you with your career transition? Uh, yeah, gosh, so many. I would say I'm just going to list them all. So yeah, just what's, list them. <laughs> list all of them. <laughs> so for me, uh, the tools in, in my sobriety, I was patient with myself. I allowed myself time to step away and take moments and just have a little meditation moment with myself and give myself space to breathe because that's something that I didn't give myself when I was a drinker. I didn't take breaks um, in the night and, and step away from the alcohol. It was just like a constant, mm. a constant wheel. And same with my career. It was just like hours after hours after hours. And, and um, you know, I didn't in those situations, in the film industry, always stand up for myself or um, trust my gut if something didn't feel right because I was working with so many different people, tons of personalities. Like, you know, I really found my my how to trust my intuition and my gut in my sobriety, which was huge. And in doing that, stepping away is something that's been super helpful for me to just take a break, take a five, take a breather, take a walk. It's basically everything, isn't it? At the end of the day. It really, it really is because I, I just have so much more patience um, and so much more of like a kind of Zen outlook on life now in my sober life. Like it was chaos pre sobriety. And now it is far more Zen, far more peaceful. And I'm making conscious decisions and I'm trusting my gut when it comes to my career that I didn't make before. You know, I didn't listen to my inner goddess as much as I do now. And that's all due to the decision to stop drinking alcohol because that was completely yeah. muffling that voice. And oftentimes confidence comes as a byproduct of quitting drinking too because you're following through on that decision that you've made for yourself and you kind of have your own back in a new way um and when you decided that you were going to leave film did you know specifically that you wanted to be a coach or were there other things that you tried beforehand i no i knew that i wanted to be a coach or in that in that role, whether it was therapy, coaching, I knew that I wanted to work with others and, and help guide them to be the best versions of themselves, to help people that want to make these changes in their lives. And mm -hmm. so I've been thinking about doing it for a while, but it wasn't until October of last year that I actually made the call and i had tried i mean i i still do freelance social media work like i still do other things on the side but that is where my that is where my passion is mm -hmm. 
being in that space with others who are looking to grow and change and evolve. Yeah. How has your journey been? So I know you're, you only started, um, like how long ago is that? Seven months ago. I'm horrible at math <laughs> when, whenever October was, um, how is your, how has it been to build your own business? I'm curious about this now. And I love talking to other coaches about this because it's its own journey. I feel like it <laughs> is. Another. Yes. It is its own journey for sure. I have, I've loved it. Mm -hmm. I, I find in the past seven months, you know, I, I, I resigned at my job and went straight into schooling through the um, IAPRC, the International Association of Professional Recovery Coaches. Mm -hmm. And, and it felt it just felt right, you know, much like when I finally quit drinking and that clicked, it clicked, this is what happened then as well and it just felt so empowering and you know when you just have that aha moment yeah when you make choices like it at no point was i like have i made a mistake you know yeah. at no at no point and um and it's been i mean building a business is something i've never done before but my partner's also doing it right now he's working in the pet industry so the dog industry and um so together we are kind of able to lift each other up when we need it and and keep each other you know motivated and excited because it can be pretty pretty lonely and isolating when you're on your own building a, a solo business by yourself yeah. as an entrepreneur so yeah yeah i feel you is there like a a typical like client avatar that you usually find yourself working with or what have your experiences been like with your clients? Yeah. So I launched my coaching business last month, May, March. And so far the clientele has been people that are sober curious um, and people that want to change their relationship with alcohol, I would say is the, the <laughs> primary avatar, you know, it's not, I haven't in my experience yet, but I mean, I only just started, haven't seen too many people that are well into their sober journeys, you know? Um, yeah. People that are looking for that support early on. Mm -hmm. I, I wish that I knew about coaches whenever I was quitting drinking, it would have made life so much easier. I think I knew about them, but I just assumed that they were like counselors and I are addiction counselors and that never resonated with me. And it's amazing to see so many people like yourself and other coaches out there catering to that person who literally just wants to do a deep dive and explore their relationship with drinking. Like I have, I have similar uh, clients in my program. Not all of them are necessarily wanting to label themselves as sober or count days. They really just want to understand why they're drinking the way that they're drinking and new ways to cope with their emotions that don't include avoiding them by drinking. So it's super interesting to see um, that those opportunities are available now because I don't know if they were available before. People are so lucky now if they're quitting drinking. <laughs> it's, it's so I, I mean, yeah, since COVID, the, as you can see on, even just on Instagram alone, there are so many more accounts, so many more people. I mean, the discussion is massive worldwide now. And I agree having, having a coach early on, having a coach in my twenties, 
when I was kind of struggling with the ups and downs, I never considered or attended meetings in my youth or in my 20s in my 20s it just didn't felt like it resonated with me and i think that at that point too there wasn't much else than going mm -hmm. to like a 12 step and yeah. so and so it's it's also that that thing with with people who are they're not sure what the relationship with it is with alcohol they know it doesn't make them feel good and they want to understand why and why they might drink more than they they want to and and recognize that it makes them feel not great um, but not label themselves like i find that there are a lot of people out there that don't want to put a label on it because why 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 should we you know like at the same labels work for some people and that's great you know whatever works for you but at the same time being able to have this open discussion with someone who again gets it as a coach um and and has been there and has been in your shoes and doesn't doesn't whip whip the uh, what am what am i trying to say like strike the whip if you if you slip like for me i think and i i posted about this recently if you are attempting a, a sober journey and and you want to remove alcohol from your life and you have slips for me I, I find those not to be mistakes like i i like to look at my life and life in general in the past like no in not a negative way like every decision every um every situation whether it did make you feel awful or you know like they these were all learning mm -hmm. learning experiences that have helped you get to where you are today and help you grow and help you realize who you want to be in this world and so to have a slip i i believe that is a lesson i believe that is an experience where you are again reminding yourself of maybe why you don't want to drink alcohol or maybe you're reminding yourself that hey maybe you do want to either way there's no judgment from me that's mm -hmm. your journey and your decision and and you can be sober curious and 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 go on these sober paths and realize maybe it's not for you like that's not for me to say and and i think there's a lot of people in higher you know in in sort of guide um roles who might say like you've made a mistake and, yeah. and that's just that's just not the way i didn't resonate with the meetings either i've never went to a meeting um and i think even though it was only like four or five years ago when i first tried to quit drinking i like i've noticed that there's so many more resources now and groups and like fun groups that you actually want to go to um which is amazing so if you had any advice for somebody who is pretty newly sober and looking to make a change to their career, what advice would you give them? Yeah, I think that, I mean, first of all, congratulations on your new sobriety. It's such a beautiful experience and such a journey of highs and lows and challenges and beautiful moments. You know, it's, it's, those challenges and those conversations and and those those moments of listening to our gut about what we really want that make us grow into the best versions of ourselves. So if you have any doubt about what you're currently doing in your career or in your life in general, sit and listen to that voice and what it's telling you. Journal, you know, journal out your thoughts, get them on a, a piece of paper or 
go for a walk and just have a conversation with yourself and, and weigh the pros and cons. Is this career something that aligns with who you are and your sobriety? Has sobriety changed you in a way that, that you like myself and, and, you know, like you, Melissa, we, we realize that maybe it's something else is out there for us. Explore that. It's okay. I think that the stability of a job is fantastic. You know, the financial aspect, if you, you get benefits, that's all great. But if you look 20 years down the road and you go, gosh, I wish I made that change when I did, like, how would it feel to, to have a bird's eye view on your life and go, it was challenging to make that change then, but look where I am mm -hmm. 20 years down the road, you know, like just really taking the moments and, and it's okay to make changes in our lives. Like we don't have to stay on the same track just because it feels safe and comfortable. Like we grow when we get out of that safe and comfort zone and find someone to talk to about it, you know, find a coach, find a career counselor, find someone I mean, I would say if you're in your sober journey and this is the change that's that's coming up, find a sober coach. Yeah. Talk to Melissa or I. <laughs> like, you know, it's yeah. it's having definitely. No, all of that is so true. Um, yeah, just like everything you just said. And something that I was thinking about recently, because I had a little bit of a wobble since starting my business, I was like, ah, oh, like what am I doing or whatever? And I realized that I've basically had my own business for a little over a year now and that is one year and I'm I'm 29 so I'm probably going to be working for like 35 more years and it's just crazy when you zoom out big picture like I don't know what's going to happen down the line and we sometimes stay so focused on right here right now this month this year but if you can just maybe zoom out I think that's a super helpful tip as well and seeking support like what you just said journaling found that so useful as well so if anyone is looking to work with you or find out more about you, can you pimp yourself out and tell them where to find you? Yeah, yeah. So I'm working with clients in Canada and the US at the moment through Zoom um, and through my company, This Unwasted Life. So my website is thisunwastedlife.com where you can go and book a complimentary 30 minute intro call to see if we're a good fit. And if you, you know, we want to, spend the next few months together growing and um and feel free to reach out to me anytime i have a my email up on the website and i'm available by instagram daily <laughs> so my inbox is always open and i'm always looking to connect with with others on their their journey so that's right oh and i host on the no booze crew page on wednesdays and that's like a a page dedicated to a no booze lifestyle for sober and sober curious. And um, there are about 10 hosts on that page at the moment. So it's nice to also get different perspectives from others there. Perfect. I'll link all of your details that you just mentioned in the show notes. And I think I also saw that you're hosting an event soon. Is that right? Yeah. I know okay. that by the time that this goes out, but are you planning to host more of them or maybe just talk a bit about that? Yeah, and I think this kind of pulls us back from our moment in the beginning of the episode. You had asked what this unwasted life means, like how I got there. Mm -hmm. And so so this unwasted life I is a gathering place. It's a gathering place for people who want to question their relationship with alcohol. They want to take a break from it and 
connect with community. And, you know, as you know, community is everything. Isolation and sobriety is tough. Isolation and sober curiosity is tough because not everybody is questioning their drinking habits. So to find others who get it and have meaningful, you know, have meaningful conversations with them. And I want to create a space that people are able to connect with others that are on that same level, that same level of questioning things and going, okay, do I really need this substance in my life anymore? And so with this unwasted life, it's kind of a double entendre. Obviously I'm no longer wasted, I, no yeah. wasted days, no wasted nights, but there's also a bit of, with my condition CMT, the initial thought with, um, with the name when I made the change was that I'm not, I felt like because I hadn't recognized that I had this condition for so long until I I got sober, I'm not going to waste any more days because with me in this condition, because it's progressive, who knows what tomorrow looks like, but it's not even just about the, the condition, it's just life in general, who knows what tomorrow will look like. So to live an unwasted life is, is to live each day you know, in the best way possible and, and in the way that you love, because we only get one, right? Not to be morbid, but but it's just so special. So yes, to your point of the event, I'm hosting um, events in Vancouver and meetups just to get more people out and about because Vancouver, I mean, as many cities are, is a very alcohol heavy city. Mm -hmm. So on Thursday of next week, I'm hosting the Great Curious Cocktail Party, which is actually put on by Curious Elixirs in 50 different cities in the United States, and then one in Canada, in Vancouver. <laughs> and and so we're going to cheers alcohol-free beverages and nibble on some charcuterie and just connect with like-minded people in, in the community. And I'm really excited. I just love meeting people, Melissa. Like I. Yeah. I just love to connect with others who are who are on this path. It's such a, it's my favorite thing to do. Yeah, it's so fun, isn't it? Like, I feel like whenever I meet up with people, because I I run Sober Girls Ireland, it's pretty new, but we've had a couple of meetups so far. And you're just so disarmed whenever you meet people. And we don't even spend the time talking about drinking. It's kind of like you've already formed a bond or a friendship and you can just kind of pick off from there. Do you find that? Yes. Oh, it's this, yeah. it's this bond that yeah that you have with with because I mean it's not easy to to quit drinking alcohol in this world it's really not so you already have that kind of foundation with people with others mm -hmm. who have done so so oh I love that I want to come to a an Ireland meetup come yes and I'll go to a Vancouver one yeah. <laughs> you can probably find some Irish girls over in Vancouver because everyone's moving there like we were talking about pre-recording everyone's oh my gosh yes yeah. but yeah so if anyone listening is located in vancouver definitely go connect with Haley. and thank you so much for coming on the podcast it was so fun to finally get to talk to you thanks melissa thanks for having me i agree this has been great thank you for listening to this episode of working sober i hope that you found it informative and inspiring make sure you join our community over on substack where we share resources stories and support for those navigating this transformational journey to subscribe simply visit working sober substack.com or head to the link in the show notes and enter your email address. It's completely free and you'll receive our latest newsletter directly in your inbox. Also, if you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on your favorite podcasting platform. It helps us reach more people who can benefit from our message. Thank you again for listening. And until next time, keep working sober and pursuing your dreams.